HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Did you know that oat milk uses a lot less water, less land, and creates far less greenhouse gases than cow's milk? This useful fact is brought to you by Oatly, the vegan oat milk originally from Sweden that's now available in the U.S. You can find out more useful facts than you'd ever want to know about oat milk at Oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y dot com. This week on Meet and 3, we're examining the true cost of convenience when it comes to when, where, and how we eat. Dark stores enable workers to eat without any kind of thought to how they're getting their food or how it might have come to be. DoorDash, Uber, and Lyft in the past have pledged to spend $90 million to try to exempt themselves from the law. I could be wrong, uh, but I... I think there's going to be significant regulatory pushback on driverless trucks. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Jordana Keir, co-founder of Lola, the first lifelong brand for a woman's body. Lola came to life in 2014 because Jordana asked her co-founder, Alex, a simple question. What's in a tampon? Since then, they've grown into a full-blown women's health platform, addressing women's reproductive health with a commitment to product transparency and a community built on candid dialogue about all of the things we don't openly talk about. Welcome, Jordana. Thank you. So excited to meet you. So happy to be here. Uh, These are fun for me for a lot of reasons, but I do a lot of reading and I do like kind of a deep dive into each guest. And so by the time you're sitting across from me, I feel like we are very good friends. Which I is, don't want to know what you know. I mean, it's just funny because we've never met, but I'm like, I feel like we're, we've known each other forever, which is very one-sided clearly. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
in the dynamic. I know, I know of you yeah, and, a, yeah. and about you, cool. but probably not as much. You don't as. feel as intimate, but you will by the end of this 45 I hope minutes. So. Um, well, I know that you grew up in New York, just I like did. me, but you grew up on the Upper West Side. Where did yeah. you grow up? Upper East, okay. 62nd, okay. and Madison. Nobody's perfect. I know. <laughs> I say it with like a definite like hint of shame. <laughs> like, like, please don't hate me because I grew right. up on the Upper East Side. It was different in the 70s. It fair, was. Fair. It really was. Fair. Um, so I guess, you know, I always start off kind of like, what kind of kid were you? And But I feel like as a native New Yorker, you probably have other elements than just like your, your personality as a kid. So A, what were you like as a kid? And B, how do you feel like New York shaped you as a kid? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I mean, again, also I like, I feel like it, you'd probably be better asking my parents. Right. <laughs> kid I was. They are coming on. They're actually, great, they're right great. outside. Yeah. Perfect. They definitely um, will be well, well, well versed on this topic. Um, I think yeah. I was a fairly curious, um, outgoing individual. Right. I, um, but also like, I probably love to just, I mean, I, I did weird things like cut off all of my Barbie's hair and, yep. um, you know, toss them out the, out the window I of my 15th floor apartment. That too. Yeah. Why I, did maybe, we do that? I don't know. I mean, like, you know, you just try to, um, I think I did that to impress boys. Like, I think I actually wasn't ready to give up my Barbies, but I mm. wanted to look like, yeah, these are for babies. And yeah. Like, now I'm I cool. think I was just bored. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> were you, were you, um, because I know you also were like a musician, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think of like a little girl playing piano, that's right. I don't think of necessarily an extrovert. Um, mm. so, but on the other hand, you were like curious and kind of spunky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, so I grew up all the way through high school, um, both playing piano, um, which is very solitary and also playing sports, which is not solitary. Well, Uh the sports I played, which were mainly basketball and soccer. Um, and so those are team driven sports. And I think it, it was nice to have that balance of, um, the time alone kind of at the piano, um, working on working through something right. and then also in a group setting kind of collaborating and did you like the piano or did you do it because, you know, most people start off taking piano lessons and quitting and quitting. Yeah. I went through a phase where I was really ready to stop right. um, in middle school, which I, I think is sort of that typical time when you're like, right. I don't want to do this. It's not cool. Right. Um, I was very lucky that my teacher um, started to play a lot. And I was, I wasn't a great um, reader of music, music reader. I was, I learned much better by ear. Right. And so she started to just play a ton of recordings for me. And I started to just listen to them at home and, um, and it sort of pinpointed particular pieces that I wanted to play. Right. And I think that started to motivate me more. It's very cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I, I look back and I'm so grateful that yeah. I, that I, I kept going with it. Um, well, but I, I mean, certainly wanted to stop. Yeah. I, I'm sure it taught you a bunch of things that you have applied in your life later. Or, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly discipline. Right. Um, yeah. Practice. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, 
I do, I still listen to, to music all the time. Um, you know, I drag my husband to concerts. <laughs> right. I'm his culture director. Which is so, perfect. Which is perfect. Um, so I, I would probably go more often, um, you know, um, if, I, I guess if I had the time, right. but we try, I try, do try to make it a priority. You majored in it. I did at college, but did you think you wanted to be a professional musician, like for your life? No, no, right. I I was never. I I always had a lot of anxiety performing. Got it. And so I the the dream back then, but maybe yeah. still, um, was to run an, a performing performing arts institution. Ah, so very cool. Um, so when I was majoring in music, I the idea was to go back into arts administration, right? Um, which is what I what I did. I just wanted to kind of go back to that one to one thing that you mentioned, which is super interesting around like extroverted versus introverted kids. Yeah. I I think of myself, and I'm probably going to screw this up, but I do think of myself as an extroverted introvert, like an ambivert. Um, an ambivert mm-hmm. is that a term? That's a term. I'm an ambivert. Oh, okay. I think I'm that, <clears throat> which is basically like I do enjoy socializing, but yeah. I, I also find it very exhausting. Yes, you need to okay. go back and regroup. I need to go and back like, and reset. Yep, totally. totally. Yes, okay. I think yeah, because people I think misunderstand the terms. Like an extrovert isn't necessarily someone who just likes to go <clears throat> and like be in front of people and like perform and like yeah, it's someone who I guess gets energy from mm-hmm. being around other people. Um, but that doesn't necessarily... I, my guess is that like you enjoy being around other people probably because you're curious and you have fun with other people, but you probably get your energy from being by yourself. And then you can go out into the world and, you know... I think you're right. Yeah. Is well, I know you therapy very well. or is this... Yeah, I know. It's funny. It's really fun. It's and the it's, best. Uh, yeah. This is great. Thank you. So... <laughs> Thank you for being on in the sauce, <laughs> and that's the end. Um, so you wanted to be in like music or like arts administration. administration. Yeah, you went to college for that. Is that why you went to business school after? And did you go straight to business school? I didn't. So I came back to New York. Um, I worked uh, in arts management for one year, and then um, was sort of fortuitously met. Um, the person who would then be my next boss, um, mm-hmm. who was running at the time New York City Opera at Lincoln Center. Very cool. And it was oh nine, and so it was you know right after the recession, mm-hmm. and they were working through a lot of sort of structural changes at the company, right. and um, and he was ext- was is <laughs> extremely. Um, an extremely curious individual, so smart, um, very ambitious and motivated and cared deeply about the arts. And I just wanted to learn everything from him. So I went to go be his assistant Mm -hmm. and then eventually moved into artistic planning at the opera. And what is artistic planning? So it's, um, um, working through what are the pieces, what are the operas that we're going to be... Per- oh, like making be- the calendar a little Making bit. the calendar. Right. I mean, I wasn't doing that. I was facilitating. Right. <laughs> um, they didn't give me... I, I'm not good enough to be doing that. Um, but also then um, figuring out, okay, who did we want to bring in to audition for right. the different roles? Oh, very what, cool. Do we want a guest conductor? Oh, that's fun. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so while I was doing that, um, they... It was right around the time when all the union contracts were about to expire, and so um, the negotiations were were starting up again. Right. And um, the CFO at the time sort of pulled me pulled me into his office, and he was like, "Hey, can you take a look at these contracts? And you know, let's <laughs> sort of figure out like 
flag things that you think are um, are you know we should discuss that or did we you should, feel qualified to be doing um, it? literally right. no I was 24 <laughs> right I'm like what, what why did he was he like that one I, th- yeah. I think he just you know Saw I smart girl well I don't yeah. I mean thank you I, I don't really know I think I, maybe I just was like hanging around too much right. being like do you have anything for me to do um, and so yes please renegotiate all <laughs> union hundreds of pages of contracts <laughs> um, but that really piqued my interest um, where I was um, I ended up sort of being in the room throughout the negotiations right. I was building Excel models to like you know work through okay kind of we want to be able to um, offer health care. What does that look like? Right. But we also need to be making money. And I mean, the, that's so cool. It was really, really cool. It was um, one of the, I mean, formative like educational experiences yeah. that I've ever had. And um, that triggered, I want to go back to business school. Yes. That was like, you know what? There's so much I don't know yep. um, about business strategy and kind of um, financial planning. Yep. And um, why don't I go kind of hone those skills and, and then get back into the workforce? So it's interesting because a lot of people go to business school because they think they might want to found something or like start a business. And so they go primarily to find a co-founder mm-hmm. from what my sort of like little research has shown and also build a network um, and then definitely get some sort of, you know, rudimentary kind of here's what you should probably be thinking about for the first couple of years. You did not do that. You went back because you wanted to learn more about actually running a business as opposed to like starting a company. Totally. Yeah. I did not go to business school thinking I would start yeah. a business. Um, That's fun. Yeah, it was fun. I I mean, the, the other thing too is that you get to business school and I mean, primarily the people in your class are coming from consulting yep. and finance and mm-hmm. there is certainly the sort of non-traditional right. background that they all sort of group us into. Yes. Um, but we are very much the minority. Yeah. I had Mike Messersmith on who's the um, GM for Oatly mm-hmm. and he did ROTC all through college and wow. then as part of ROTC is you commit to basically being in the Navy for four years after college right. to pay back for whatever. And he went from the Navy to Harvard Business School, yep. and he was definitely a fish out of water. Like, mm. He had nothing in common with most of the people there. So I'm picturing you guys like meeting, even <laughs> though you were at different times at different schools. Yeah, I mean, it's you fine. would have been one friends of, maybe because you would have so. been like the odd people out. Yeah, I mean, well, one, I mean, one of the I remember there's a guy from my learning team who was in the Air Force, and right. frankly, I mean, exhibited some of the most incredible leadership yep. skills I've Absolutely. ever witnessed in my life. So that um, was his big take away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, but then you're at business school and then tampons, tampons, no rent the runway. Oh, rent the runway. So how did that happen? And like, did you stop, you, you stopped at Lincoln center while you went to school? I, right. I went to business school full time. Um, so it was the, let's see. Um, so you get to business school and they're like, and they, you know, they pitch you on like, you can do anything and, you know, you can totally change your life. Right. And then you get there and they're like, um, oh, but this background is actually only that now suitable for this one particular track. And, right. you know, if you want to change your function and your industry, that's pretty much impossible. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I, um, and I remember I was, um, I was on vacation with my now husband, but then boyfriend, um, sort of lamenting a lot of the recruiting that was happening. And right. like, you know, did I, what kind of company did I want to go work for? Right. And, you know, wh- who am I? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> 
Um, and uh, and he he at the time um, was had just started his own PR firm, right. and um, and he sort of said, you know, you should just start your own company. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. Uh, what? Right. Um, like, I don't know anything about anything. And he said, no, 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 like, you know, let's just like riff, like, what are some things right. that really make you frustrated as a consumer? And tampons were the first thing that came so to mind. So by the way, just note to the audience, Jesse, Jordana's husband, husband, Darius, was on In the Sauce. He was an early guest of mine. Um, I don't remember the title of his episode, but, uh, well, I don't remember it, but it's all about, well, actually, memorable. Yeah, you guys very can look it up. It was super memorable. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The content was very the memorable content. because I remember he said something about, you know, you got to know who your enemy is. Because what he wanted to be when he grew up, I'm sure you know this, but he wanted to be like the political consultant who like made the can- like made the candidate. Like yeah. he wanted to be like the guy in that in that book about the fourth grader running for president, like the guy behind the scenes, like the puppet master, the campaign manager, the campaign manager <laughs> slash puppet master, slash puppet master. But he, but it was like he he gave me such an aha moment mm. because he was. He said, you got to know who you're, who you're fighting. And I was like, well, we don't really have like competition in the field. He's like, no, you're fighting time. Mm. And I was like, ooh, that was like deep, deep. but it was true and it was great. Yeah. And it actually changed the way that we thought about how we spoke about the sauce That's cool. and all of our communications and all of our marketing kind of pivoted like all around that. So, That's really cool. So I'm glad that he helped you also find your <laughs> career path. Um, and it's nice that you guys are married. That's it is nice, nice that we're that's married. That's a nice thing. Yeah, we'll, I like him. We'll get to him later. Um, so, okay. So he was like, what so annoys like, you what as a annoys- consumer? Exactly. And I was like, tampons are pretty annoying to buy, to buy, right? So I'm thinking first about um, this idea that like I never seem to have a tampon when I needed needed one. Um, And I was finishing my first year of business school um, and knew that I, you know, this this idea was still kind of lodged in my brain and I started to read market research reports for fun. And at that point you're like, okay, probably you should start um, figuring out how you get paid for this. Yes. and uh, and so, but but wanted kind of more of that hands-on experience right. um, to actually kind of, I guess, um, pressure test right. in another way. Like, was this type of life um, and sort of pace something that I was excited by and, and invigorated yeah. by? It's not for everybody. It's not. It's um, it's it's twenty four hours. Yep. 24-7. Yep. Yeah. Um, so by my second year, I was working at Rent the Runway twice a week under a wonderful manager, Marissa Evans, who you should probably have on this show, honestly. I well, I'm, she might be too... It might be hard well, to she, get her now. She yeah. well, she actually started um, another company called Sawyer. Oh, cool. Um, which is about basically um, like class pass for kids. Oh, yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, she's. Inc- amazing. Okay. Um, we'll tag Marissa, her. If you're and we'll listening. see if she. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey. Hey. Shout out to Marissa. Um, and and from Mar- from working with Marissa, I mean, I was there when they were figuring out their whole unlimited model. I was right. building the model, and um, yeah, because I feel like something happened where you would see like the the black kind of dry cleaning bags. Mm. You know, you would see like every couple of weeks, you'd see a delivery. And then you started seeing like five, and now you see like an entire, like in the lobby of a building, yes. you see an entire rolly of cart blue of those bags. canvas bags. Exactly, yep. something happened in the last couple of years where I don't I don't follow it exactly, but something went bonanza. 
and it was you being well, there. I don't know if it was me. <laughs> I don't know if it was me. It you was, were personally it was certainly Marissa. For, right. Yeah. Uh, partly cool. Marissa f- to to sort of dream up this um, this idea of um, of um, a closet in the cloud is what they yeah. called it. So. Um, and that, that to me, that time at Rent the Runway, I mean, to me, the takeaways were, I mean, every day you're just consistently trying new things and mm-hmm. um, putting things out in the world and seeing if... They stick. They stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideas come from anywhere. Um, so, yep. you know, the idea that I was an intern there and they were letting me build this model for them. Um, like that was really cool. Yeah. So that was enough to sort of say, okay, this is, I do want to do this. Yes. Okay. And Mm -hmm. you knew that it, it was going to be tampons. I knew it was going to be tampons. And by then I had, I had talked to enough people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody like Marissa being like, Hey, like I'm, I'm toying around with this idea. Like, what do you think about it? And a lot of the advice I got was frankly, just, you know, you're about to graduate from business school and you, this will be, you will never feel as untethered yeah. as you do right now. Yeah. And so go out, try it. You can always get a real job. Yeah. No, that's awesome. How did you meet um, Alex? So I met Alex. I was working on the early concept of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the summer of 2014, so I had just graduated. Okay. Um, I knew that I wanted a co-founder. I right. knew that this was not something that I could do by myself, um, both just like from the time that it would take to to also just like the emotional yeah. roller coaster that it that you're on yeah um and I just wanted a partner in that so yeah. um, and then also she's way way smarter than me and we'll get there okay <laughs> so so was sort of you know meeting anybody who would who would meet with me right. and ended up meeting Alex's then boyfriend now husband also uh-huh. oh. at um at a like out one night right. um at a business thing and um and he went home i told him my idea and right. i told him you know i was looking for someone to work with me and he and Jesse know each other very well oh, so cool. he came home and, and said to Alex like i found your new business partner right. you're going into tampons and what was she doing at the time so Alex was working at an ad tech company that was about to be acquired. Okay. And so I think from her perspective, you know, she, she, um, she had sort of been working in startup world uh-huh. and was about to go through this interesting sort of experience of, of acquisition and what did that mean and, right. and how did the new company embrace the, you know, her company. Yep. But I think in general, kind of knew that once she had experienced that, she would probably start looking for her next opportunity. Right. So we met over a beer. Um, and you, the first thing you said was, have you ever thought that's <laughs> I don't know if it was the first thing. I, I, I threw that in. Maybe I let her like, take a sip of I've beer first. I've rewritten the story. <laughs> right, I'm like, exactly. Alex, a simple question. Right, What's exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did. It was the first time I had met her. Right. And I did ask that. Um, and the funny thing with that question, though, is like you can't unthink it. Like you right. just, like yep. once you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. I, I don't actually know, or, you know, isn't it cotton? Is it, if it's not, what is it? Right. So, you know, that sent us down a total rabbit hole of, of a conversation. And, um, we then spent kind of the first few months, um, testing out the partnership and, right. and through doing a ton of customer discovery. So yeah. that was the way I think we, we could sort of test out the relationship and did our working styles mesh um, while also like trying to get further into the idea. Yeah. I mean, I, there were a couple of things that I read that 
kind of like sparked my brain. And actually, I used your advice last week because we were um, we were doing we had a class and we were trying to sort of do a little bit of like market research, if that's what you call it, about the sauces and how can we, you know, talk about them in a way that really makes sense. And we do have, you know, classes every single night with our target customer, Mm -hmm. right? And so we were talking about it and my head teacher said to me, you know, I didn't really know, I didn't, it didn't really feel right to sort of ask them like direct questions about the sauce or what they would use it for or why they would, you know, just... And what I read or what I gleaned from what you had said in all of your focus groups at the beginning, you know, it's uncomfortable for people to talk about how they cook, maybe a scale of one to 10, like a two. It's uncomfortable for people to talk about like their periods and tampons and their stories, maybe like a 10. (laughs) So the way that you got people, you didn't ask direct questions. I, and that was kind of the big aha from what I read from your stuff. Like you just had people talk and open up and from their stories, you guys were able to sort of tease out, you know, what they were really looking for or what mattered to them. And I think that so much of like what I learned from doing the research with you is all of the listening Mm. that you did. And it changed it actually affected the way we did something the next That's week. That's really cool. Yeah. And I don't even know if you, like, I know that you know that, but, like, it, it it's very cool. That's awesome to, to hear. Yeah. Do you feel like the results or, like, the insights that you gained from sort of letting the conversation flow like that mm-hmm. were deeper than in the past or like I what was different? I think they were actually simpler than what we were trying to make it into, mm. you know? Like I think at the end of the day, people just, they come to a cooking class for a simple tip or trick. Like they just want to feel a little bit better about what they put on the table, whether yeah. it's for themselves or for whoever. All we have to do is explain how we can get them there. Yep. There doesn't really have to be much more than that. And I think we were looking for something kind of deeper, but it's, it is very deep in the sense that it's so, so simple and so pure. Um, I love that. So before we go to the break, I do want to ask you, how did you, because there are, I think a lot of people who listen to this that are thinking about starting things, you know, did you have a little bit of a rubric for, you know, when you say you wanted to see if your working style is kind of aligned and if your skill sets matched, like two creatives, with no sort of like executive functioning skills probably do not make the best (laughs) co-founders. I think that's fairly safe to say, but like, was there more to it? Like, did you, did you, and were you actively like, were you very candid with each other? Like this is our trial period of seeing how we work together. Like how did you kind of structure that time? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, We did acknowledge that we, that we, we wanted, I mean, we met in June and then Mm -hmm. we sort of said, okay, let's, let's work together and let's reassess at Labor Day and use the summer to test this idea and talk to as many women as we could. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, let's come up with um, a little bit of a framework. But yeah, oh, also neither of us know what we're doing. So let's just uh, use each other as a sounding board to see if kind of the, and and learn from other people who have gone before us to come up with the right plan around kind of how we validate our hypotheses. Um, But yeah, it was always sort of checking in and making sure that, um, that, 
we were dividing and conquering in a in a productive way. Mm-hmm. And um, Alex is more of the planner of the two of us. And so um, kind of letting her drive a little bit in sort of as far as process went, right. I think was also really helpful. And it's, it's just really helpful to know and, and good to know what you're good at and yeah. what you're not good at yeah. and, and be, be as self-aware and open about that as possible. Yeah. Um, I think that's also enabled us to find really great people as we've grown our team. And probably helped you because there were probably fewer disagreements over, or like, let's say, n- n- not disagreements, but fewer things that you were completely probably more things that you were completely agreed on at the beginning. And then as you grow, the decisions get a little more complex. Mm-hmm. There becomes a little bit more nuance. And so learning early on how to relationship manage a little bit totally. when you disagree. Completely. I mean, do you remember the first disagreement? Have People ask us about that yeah. a lot. It's It sounds crazy, but I actually don't think we've ever really disagreed on anything truly significant. Right. Um, the, dis- the disagreements we have are things where at the end of the day, it's, you know, I feel really strongly about something and Alex is like, I give you right. free reign here and vice versa. It's kind of whoever feels strongest. I think it's whoever feels strongest. And, <clears throat> and I think the bedrock of that though is trust, is trust yep. in the other person's instincts. Yeah. It's, you know, I think the word that comes up probably every single episode, whether it's like your team, your consumer, the customer, the buyer, your partner, whoever is trust. I think yes. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have if you don't have the trust of your co-founder, if you don't have the trust of your team, for, I mean, yeah. if you don't have the trust of your customer, forget yeah, it. Forget it. On that note, we're going to take a quick note and we or quick break and uh, we'll be back and we'll hear all about how you got Lola off the ground. In the Sauce is brought to you by Oatly, the vegan plant-based oat milk originally from Sweden that's now making their oat milk on this side of the Atlantic. About 30 years ago, in a small town in Sweden, a scientist invented oat milk, and everyone thought he was totally crazy. Fast forward to New York 30 years later, and we just can't keep it in stock at Haven's Kitchen. That's because it tastes great and foams really well in coffee, but I think also a lot of the customers at Haven's Kitchen drink it because it has much less environmental impact than regular cow's milk and uses a ton less water to produce than almond milk. So while it's an amazing product, I think more and more people in the U.S. and around the world are starting to understand the benefits of eating and drinking oat milk. You can find out more about Oatly, the vegan plant-based oat milk originally from Sweden at Oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y dot com. with Jordana Kier, founder of Lola. So one of the other things I read that I loved was, I never thought of this. There's like Tampax with an X, Playtex with an X, Kotex with an X, and then there's Lola. Um, And so what, how did you think of the name? And obviously you were trying to elicit a different feeling with that name than, you know, Playtex, no offense to Playtex or offense, either way. Yeah. Um, so how did that happen? And then kind of extending that into sort of the larger, um, you know, 
I don't know. It's a funny thing. I was thinking about tampons, and I was thinking that I my guess is that most people have their brand mm. that they grew up on, but it's not something that they they're not spreading the word the way they are with like a consumer packaged good that they love. There's no like hashtag, you know, Tampax community out there. Right. I, um, that's organic, at least from my understanding. Yes. So it's like at one time, it's very much like hard to move a consumer away from their brand, but also it's like this very quiet thing. I couldn't think of another kind of category like it. Um, so back to Lola and then how you kind of approach it. Yeah, that. that's a great, it's a great question. I have a million things to say about great. it. Great, um, go. So the name. So we always, and I think this goes back to kind of the focus groups even, like we were just listening, right? We were just talking. We were, and we were focused on, I mean, look, the product has to work. Mm-hmm. Period end. That is, ha <laughs> 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 Like that's table stakes, right? Yeah. Um, but how does it make her feel? And what is the frustration with the customer experience? And so much of it in the beginning that we thought was sort of the main pain point was that she never seemed to have the product. And so she had to run to the drugstore, grab what she knew, mm-hmm. have a, make awkward eye contact with the guy at the checkout. Um, yeah. But then kind of this deeper thing that we had realized we never thought of, which was like, we actually don't know what's in this product. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we deserve to know mm-hmm. because we know exactly what we're putting in our body in every other aspect of our lives, our food, yeah. our lotion, toothpaste, like you can yeah. find the ingredients of those things. <laughs> right. And yet this one product, which is, you know, the most intimate of products, yes. um, is classed in a way by the FDA that where no manufacturer has to disclose all the ingredients right. on the box. And that just felt screwed up. Like that yeah. was just something that we knew we wanted to fix. And so, but what we found, what we, we loved about the focus groups was that it was, it was, it was this free flowing conversation, um, about how we all felt and we wanted to bottle that in some way yep. with the brand. And so by having the name of a person yep. who's actually could be your friend, your cool cousin. She's definitely your cool older cousin. She's your cool yeah. older cousin. Who lives in Europe. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> She's just visiting. She's just visiting. Yeah. Right. And she, she like knows all the cool places in yes. New York, even though she doesn't live and here. And she has great hair. Great hair. Yeah. Great effortless yeah. style. Yes. yes. And but but she's not intimidating. No, right. That's she's the thing really about approachable. Her. Yes. And she's really accessible. Yeah. And she'll laugh with you about really embarrassing things yes. because she's been through it she's too. A naughty. She's yeah. a little sassy. <laughs> Um, and so we were, we were also, I mean, the name, we didn't have to look far for the name because Jesse's late grandmother, uh-huh. that's actually her name. Oh. Um, and so, or was her name. And so, um, is her name. Sorry. That was really weird. Um, she, she is late, still alive. Late, oh, okay. No, right. Um, okay. passed away. Yeah. Um, but, but I just loved the, yeah, it's sassy. It's sophisticated. Yeah. It's global. Yes. Um, so there's just, and there's something warm about yes. it. Um, and also simple, right? Yep. This is a four letter word. Totally. It's super easy to pronounce. It's great. Um, it's, it's easy great. to put. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, some of, some of them, like some stuff out there, you're like, okay, what? But this is just, it just well, works. Well, there's something nice about it too, where it captures the multifaceted nature of a woman, a woman. right? Yep. Like you, and like the way that we sort of approach the conversation, right? Like we, with this focus group, with the focus groups, we would share our first period stories to start. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, 
I mean, you can't help but laugh because right. you're thinking about the time when you were 12 and you thought you pooped your pants, right? Yeah. Like, um, but so there's there's the sort of uh, funny aspect of right. your period, but then there's the serious aspect yeah. of your period. There's the emotional aspect of your period. So I don't know. I, I love the fact that the name can mean a lot of different things to yeah. so many people and has a lot of no, facets. Genius. And <laughs> then, no, it really is. And then... I mean, I do want to get into like how you actually like thought like where to go find a tampon manufacturer, but <laughs> right. like the, did you, I mean, what I love about this and I think what I like the founders are really going to extract from this is just like listening, 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 and then identifying where there are pain points. Mm-hmm. Like where can you come in and help? And I think that the awkward moment I'm still, I mean, I'm, I'm a grown woman and mm-hmm. there's still that awkward moment at the counter where you like buy a pack of gum and a bottle of like lotion right. <laughs> to like not just be buying feminine care. Right. Like it's, it's still there. I mean, and yeah. so taking that out is that, I mean, was, that's why you were like, we're going to make this beautifully packaged and we're going to make it direct to consumer. Yeah, I mean, so when, so we, and I, I don't know why we're going back so much to this focus groups, but, but it really did inform no, they, so yeah. much of, of the way we thought about how to build it early on. Mm-hmm. Um, before we had our any focus group, we would email people before, four weeks before. Mm-hmm. Um, we would say, hey, what's your mix? Let's get you, we'll get you the product. It'll be downstairs in your lobby. I mean, this was New York, um, Chicago, what's your California. What? What's your mix? What's oh, your, your mix. preferred mix, right? Your light, regular, super. <laughs> right, right, right. Come Got on. It. No, <laughs> I was kidding. like, what is a mix? Like, <laughs> right, I thought right, right. it was just a term. No, like, what is the assortment yeah, right. that, of course, that works that, for you, you right? Want, because right. a big, also a big thing that we were thinking about doing was making it so that you could get exactly what right. you needed, right? It's like in an Amy Schumer movie where she needs, like, a size 11 extra wide shoe. Right. And she's, like, very, right. yeah. So right. you don't want to be like, I want... Like heavy, like plus eighteen days. It, right, exactly. Right, got right. it. No, but uh, and and but I they mean, could with you. That's could, the whole right? thing. Right. Or like maybe they want, maybe they need sixteen super plus and like two lights for that right. for that last day. Right. But you can't get that in store. Right. And so no, that's so um, cool. It was. It's really cool. So and and the other thing that I thought was really awesome was that you know we we went out and bought really pretty boxes yeah. and we um, you know wrote handwritten notes and that wasn't necessarily going to be the thing that scaled, but I think just totally upending the experience yes. of how she thought about her period. Yeah. Um, started to I think. Um, exercise the muscle of like, hey, this should be part of my wellness routine, and yep. like this should be something that I'm proactively thinking about. Yeah, um, because I do deserve better than yeah. running to the drugstore or bleeding in my underwear. Right, with shame. With yeah, shame. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, that's and the th- and the other thing too with like packaging, right? Like, yeah. I mean, look, I. I don't know if I can say this on air, but I will. You can say anything. You know, the the standard was fairly low, I will say, right? Right. The bar was low. So when we would ask women about packaging, they would say, well, who cares? No one even thought about it. I'll throw it it under my sink. I don't care. But when you actually have pretty packaging and a nice box, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're putting it at the back of your toilet or... On top of on top of you know on on your shelf um, because it's not something that you're necessarily right. hiding anymore, yep. and so it's really changing the mindset, right? Yeah. Like we're not um, 
we're not, the, the product has to work again. Like it, it has to be good or she's not coming back. She's not going to trust us. Right. Um, so that to us was table stakes. And if we couldn't get that right, then we weren't going to have a business, um, where we were going above and beyond, or frankly, not even above and beyond where we thought we just, this was something we all should deserve. Right. We, we all deserve. Um, that was the real game changer. It makes total sense. So that means though, that, that you had product before you started the focus groups, essentially, right? So you had to figure out where to go to make the product. So the discussions didn't necessarily inform the actual composition of the product or, you know, what what it looked like or what it was made out of, because that was the part that you already knew you wanted to be super clean and We wanted super, to be right. transparent right. about the ingredients. We knew that... Um, and anything other than a fiber that we understood right. wasn't going to cut it. And did you just Google tampon manufacturers? My Google history is super weird. Yeah, yeah. I went real deep. Yeah, um, <laughs> and um, ended up on some really weird road trips yep. in the middle of Europe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we managed to find some really great partners um, who have scaled with us over time as as we've grown. But um, you know companies that had experience in feminine care product manufacturing um, with um, natural fibers. So let's fast forward a little bit because I think that, you know, there's so much talk about like Omnichannel and all the channels Mm. and I I don't have any direct-to-consumer business um, because it's a fresh sauce and we have not figured that part out yet. I don't know that we're going to. But from your perspective, I guess... You don't, you're not in stores right now, mm-hmm. um, but what do you think are sort of the keys to a great sort of digitally native business? I think one of the things that you've obviously embraced is building this community and this like platform, quote unquote, right? Like yep. I know that um, it seems like people are not just there to buy things, but they're there to be heard and yes. seen. And so that I totally get. Where does it, is there ever a thought like there's a lot of conversation, but how do we get these to kind of convert into sales? Or mm. like, where does the conversation platform piece kind of stop? And like the, like, you know, um, marketplace kind of start. And then what were the things that you knew you needed to have to start this thing with a bang online? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think to us, we see the community conversation part as um, completely essential to the brand. And yes, of course, we are a business and we need to make money in order to grow and hire and um, and continue to, to um, do cool things. Right. But... Um, but our com- and, and so but but our community is is who we serve and right. so um, and if she doesn't care about us and and doesn't see a need for us whether it's yeah whether it's a product but also like if we're not answering a question for her about mm-hmm. her period her sexual wellness um, routine her um, you know her young daughter who's maybe about to get her period right, right. like if we can't service that from just like a content and support perspective yeah. um, we don't we. Why do we exist? Yeah. Um, so, but, but, you know, so, so D to C has always been for us the way that we connect with her and learn mm-hmm. about her and, um, yes, see her, hear her, um, make sure sh- her needs are being met. Um, 
you know, multi-channel, omni-channel, such an interesting, um, it's such an interesting place for us to, to explore. And I mean, eventually if we need, if we want to live up to the promise of being there for her, um, right. we need to be everywhere for right. her. So just for people listening, I think in case that's jargony of me to say omnichannel, what I mean is, I feel like I have gone through this, but just in case I haven't, what I mean is that there's like the direct to consumer through your website, there's potentially Amazon sales, there's I'm selling at CVS, there's um, I'm available at your hotel room, yep. which is sort of like what, what would be almost like food service, but not food for tampon. So there are all food these for different- your vagina. Right. It's <laughs> <Exactly. That's> weird. <laughs> Great. Um, but there are all of these different ways to build and to reach your, your final consumer. And not every product belongs in a supermarket. And not every product belongs online or on Amazon. And so yes. figuring out that strategy is really important. But also being able to be more than one of those things is really important. I that's kind that's of the right. omni. I think that's part. right. And I think you just hit on something that I was going to say too, which is, you know, you have to know what's going to work for your customer and for your product and you can't force fit those things. Right. Um, you know, when we first launched, we were a hundred percent cotton tampons. You could customize the mix. Um, you could, you know, pick when you wanted the product to get delivered to you and the cadence and that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, as we expanded beyond periods into sexual right. wellness, you know, we had to go back to the drawing board and say, is subscription right, right. for sexual wellness? Um, we, What does she need? What does she want? Does she right. really want a subscription of condoms every month or right. does she want to be able to buy these a la carte? Right. Um, and look, it would have been probably the better business decision to just force her into a subscription. A case of condoms every month. Right, like... I mean, go for it. Go for it, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but is it the kind of thing where, like, do you get an email saying your your monthly package is on the way? Do you want to add any of these five things to it? Is that how you kind of yes, skin the cat? exactly. Right. So, but, but really, and it, it really just goes back to, like, what does she need? Like she's smart. She's not Mm -hmm. gonna, she's going to see through, um, the marketing BS, um, and our desire to upsell her on a Mm -hmm. product. If she doesn't need it, she's not going to buy it. Right. And so how do you, um, meet her at those moments where she does need it? Going back to that, uh, sexual health piece. So you launched first your tampon in 2015, then your pads, then your period kits. Yes. Then uh, lube, condoms, and wipes. That's right. That was 2018. We also launched a line of cramp care. Oh, really? Yes. When was that? Um, That was in um, the fall of 2017. We launched... a daily vitamin, so like a supplement that helps to um, relieve menstrual cramps, Great. as well as um, what we sort of call like an on-the-go heating pad. So it's like oh. a roll-on essential oil that nice. has capsaicin in it, which is from chili pepper. Right. So it's actually like it heats up on your skin. Awesome. Um, and and I mean, those are in the kits, but they're also sort of like a if you you, right. you can buy them a la carte, um, and you you know. And how did you go about that sort of? Um, process of adding, I'm going to say R&D, but again, I feel like that's a little jargony. Like, how did you go about figuring out what product to add next? Why sexual health? Is there something coming up that you want to discuss? Yeah. I mean, it really, (laughs) and 
<laughs> um, it it ends up just being what we're hearing from, from her. Yep. And so, um, you know, and we, we're inspired by her. And so when we hear about um, her cramps and how much they suck and like, yeah. we're like, yeah, we know. Yeah. Um, and so then we're like, huh, what, what is, what is out there other than a heating pad that has to stay attached to the wall right. or like might all. And, you know, that sort of then kicks off um, an exploration of what's out there, where is their white space right. um, and how can we actually add value. And did she come to you with the condom piece? Because I think of condoms as, I mean, probably 100% marketed to men. They are, yes. Um, and that's pretty infuriating. Yeah. Um, the condoms actually were almost... Um, so So actually what really was inspiring to us was when um, mom started reaching out to us and mm-hmm. saying... I have an 11 year old daughter and I'm terrified about having the conversation about puberty and her period. And do you have something like a bundle of products or like content? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Um, It's great. Like, and you know, you look on the market and there's nothing. Right. And so that though, I think was the beginning of this broader idea, which was, you know, okay, our customers are 20, 30, 40, 50, um, they have younger daughters who are about to go through this entire journey. Um, and why is it that we're always kind of feeling isolated and vulnerable, um, when we're confronting a new phase of life? So whether it's her first period or becoming sexually active or thinking about having a baby or post postpartum all the way through menopause. You have a lot of runway of product <laughs> potential. <laughs> well, and that, I'm and, just thinking and about all, and then there's menopause, which is super And then there's menopause, fun. right, yeah. super fun. Um, but yeah, I think that was, that that sort of initial, like um, what we were hearing from moms really inspired us yeah. to think a lot bigger to say, why, why are we re- reinventing the wheel every single time? Right. Let's build a brand that follows her throughout her life. Yes. I mean, her needs change, but she's not changing, no. right? Her values are the same. Yep. And so let's just continue to hold her hand and be her ally. It's very cool. Is there something coming up? Always. Um, I can't really <laughs> share can't details. Share. Um, okay. Look, we're just, we're always trying to reinvent the wheel and take feedback and um, and and make it even better. So awesome. More to come. So um, I know we only have a few more minutes um, biggest challenges, like what, what can you say? Okay. Well, here's a question before the challenge, something that you kind of wish you had known or that you wish someone had told you when you were just starting or what you think sometimes founders miss. Um, I think, you know, the big thing that I took away was just the listening piece and doing a lot of it. And you did, you've, that's been the theme throughout from beginning through each new product. Yeah. But what else? Um, I think that the thing that I, that I wish I had known on day one, um, was think big, but stay really focused. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, now we're sort of thinking about this entire lifelong journey that she goes through with her reproductive needs, whether they're emotional or physical. Um, and, and so, but it's about her, right? Yeah. It's, it's focused to her. So people sometimes are like, hey, would you ever launch diapers? And I'm like, no. No, right. We're not going to launch diapers. This is about her. Right. Um, but it's big, right? Because yeah. we're thinking about multi-generational, yep. you know, you're 11 all the way through 54 right. and beyond. Um, that's very cool. So that's what I would say is something that I wish I had kind of like captured a little bit earlier, 
And then as far as the challenges, it's probably like both a challenge and probably my greatest joy, which is <laughs> our team. I yeah. mean, our team is incredible. It, it's a it's hard work to find the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also hard work to, you know, people, I think I've said this before, I think people assume that if you're a nice person, you'll be a good manager and a good leader. And that's not always the case. It's not always intuitive. What your team needs from you is different than like what your friends or your relationships or even your kids need from you. Totally. You know? And learning that has been a lot, I think. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, best moment. I know there's so many moment. and it's hard cause everyone's like every day, but like, do you have, do you have like one woman who just, you know, made you happy or a moment, you know, sometimes it's like seeing it on the shelf or one person got to eat free I food. mean, something that sticks with me is, I mean, it, truly every day is amazing. And yeah. like, I get to talk about like vaginas. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the radio. You are so I allowed hope. to. I would but like, I mean, I really hope. Right? Yeah. It's 2019. Please. Um, so it, it truly is like, I yeah. mean, beyond my wildest dreams. Um, you know, every now and then we get letters, like truly like written letters yes. in the mail yeah. from customers. And I think those are the moments that really stick yeah. with me where it's like, you know, you look back to day one and like my mom bought, you know, a bunch of stuff. Like right. Alice's mom bought a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But the idea of sort of strangers reaching yeah. out to us and sort of saying like, hey, I really, this you brand really resonates with me. Yeah. Um, that's extremely special. Yeah. I, it's, um. It's awesome. I want to just finish because you said something in an article that I read and you said, I feel like right now a lot of people are just looking to start companies. I don't know if I would have started a company if it weren't for this one. It's all consuming. You have to be fully ready for it to be part of your personal, professional, physical, and mental life. Don't start with starting a business. Start with problem. Start with a problem that really pisses you off. I thought that was a, that is you, right? Unless, I hope so. It's smart. <laughs> it was I'll Nelson Mandela or you, <laughs> but I think it was you. Um, but I think that that is a really great way to like finish it off. Like, don't just start something to start something. It's not. It's too much. It's too hard. It's a lot. There are too many people involved. There's too much to lose. Like. If something bothers you and you have a big question about something, chances are other people do too. And then it's yeah. your job to go find out how to solve it. Totally. Right. Totally. All right. Jordana, thank you so much for coming on and being my guest. Of course, we never get to all of my questions, but hopefully it was we got some good takeaways for all of you founders and future founders out there. Matt, thank you for engineering. I'm surprised you didn't give me any crap about some of the jargon, but maybe you just weren't that engaged. <laughs> Matt? Matt left. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. All right. Anyway, um, I'll be back next uh, two weeks with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. 
And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.